Welcome to the Issa Rugby Podcast, where we bring you the latest news, updates, and interviews. With more insights from the Springboks. It is the Springboks champions of the world. The Junior Box, the Blitzbox, our two national women's teams, local competitions, and more. When it comes to modern-day Springboks, a few good men stand out as legends of the game. One of these is towering in the literal and figurative sense of the word. Having cut his teeth on the hard fields of Polokwane and later in Kimberley, he finally made Pretoria his home, and from there he dominated his opposition at hallowed grounds across the world. In New Zealand, Australia, England, France, Scotland, Wales and Ireland, to name but a few. He's gone on to earn 127 test caps and he captained the Springboks on 23 occasions, tasting success at every level of the game and culminating in Rugby World Cup success in 2007, where he was named Man of the Match in the final. Today's guest on the SA Rugby podcast is none other than former Springbok club, Victor Matthew. Dupria, Polsa. It's not a bad up and under by Brayton Paulson. They're all there. Now, here goes Victor Matfield. He can go all the way here. Victor Matfield gets his fourth try and he ran circles around George Gregan. It's great for me to welcome Victor Matfield to the SRRB podcast this morning. Victor, how are you and uh, what are you up to these days? No, I'm very well. Um, working really hard. Um, a lot of people's got um, off time over lockdown, but uh, we're in the game auction industry. So we've been going on with our auctions, uh, especially online. Um, so yeah, we've been busy. Uh, we've made a few changes, moved over to the uh, livestock as well. So yeah, interesting times for us. But um, I'm missing rugby. I'm missing super sport. Uh, we haven't been back to super sport for almost six months now. So can't wait for the Curry Cup to start. <laughs> I think there's a lot of people who are very keen for rugby to, to return. We'll get to that a bit later. Uh, firstly, I just wanted to find out how has the lockdown period treated you and your family? Uh, you've got three daughters and uh, judging by your posts on social media, uh, they are all, uh, you know, you're all quite a, an active bunch. Yeah, we tried. I must say that first two weeks uh, when I was full-time at home was actually a lot of fun. Uh, our whole day um, was planned around our training sessions. So, um, yeah, luckily I got a nice garden. So, uh, we got active in the garden on the white bike. So, yeah, whole family effort. But uh, it was good. And I think sometimes... It's nice just to get away from the world, just really spend time with your family and um, yeah, enjoy each other's company. How, how does it influence a, a big, uh, rough rugby player like yourself to all of a sudden be surrounded by females at, at the house? I mean, apart from your wife, Monia, like I said, you're a father of three daughters. Is that a, is that a tricky thing to, to, to handle? Yeah, I must say, it would have been nice to have uh, one boy there to um, have his dad's back. But um, luckily, we got a little Yorkie that's a male. So I'll, I'll look at him <laughs> as my son. So we two there. Um, no, I must say, I enjoy my girls. Uh, it's great. They always 
between me and Monia fights, they're always on my side, so that helps. So uh, they also got my back, and, and no, I really enjoyed them. Uh, like I say, they're very involved in sport as well, so I get involved with their um, training and everything. So yeah, I enjoy the girls. And a little bit of uh, the odd tea party here and there and wearing makeup, is that part of your, your daily routine? Well, I still got the little one, Tasman, that's only six years old. So, uh, yeah, sometimes I still have to go sit down at a little uh, what you, tea set or whatever. Uh, struggled with this old niece <laughs> to sit that low, but, uh, yeah, <laughs> it, but luckily... Uh, I've got uh, some nice dolls so she can do the makeup on them. Uh, I do get my hair done by them sometimes. So that's probably the closest. <laughs> so there's, there's a, a definite um, positive in having long flowing locks. Victor, we're not going to speak about your hair. Um, you spoke about how you, how you guys knuckled down during the lockdown and got into the training. Obviously, it was the same for, for all our rugby players and they had to train at home for a long time and then they returned. Uh, to non-contact training at their provinces, which was followed by contact training. And the next step would obviously be to return to the to competitive action. Um, as someone who played the game for a very long time at a very high level, do you think it was beneficial to our players to get a, a nice break from the game, uh, you know, especially after last year, which was a, a big year with the World Cup, uh, and just to, to give those bodies a bit of a rest? Uh, how do you How do you see that? Yeah, well, everyone always say the guys need a uh, longer time away from the game, especially um, after the end of year tour. Um, now they had the opportunity. Uh, it's not just physical, but also mentally, just to get away and to clear your head and to really get that hunger back. Um, I was always one that didn't really mind. Uh, I didn't like to stay away from the game for too long, a week or two, and I was back on the training field, um, training again. But um, yeah, I think it will be good, especially with the British and Irish Lions coming up next year, uh, especially a few of the older guys, maybe guys like the Dwayne Vermeil and those guys that still want to play next year that's getting a bit uh, older now, um, to get the bodies really well recovered but um, it's going to be very important to get a very good pre-season we've seen it in the past uh, the years where the bulls did really well we had all the spring box there for a full pre-season uh, just not getting those guys in top shape but also getting them to give their knowledge to the younger players in the pre-season almost help the coach uh, coaching the guys on the field as well so it's going to be great i think if you think about the bulls let's say again some of those guys who can spend three, four weeks on a training field with a Dwayne Vermeer and that we've never had that opportunity. So that's a great opportunity for them. Mm -hmm. you, you mentioned, you mentioned the, the, the mental break, which is as important as the physical break. I want to, I want to chat about a, a bit about that. I think a lot of people experienced, you know, just the, the slowing down of pace in life over the last couple of months. Obviously, it started picking up again. But, you know, just to, just to mentally take a break in terms of, you know, clearing your head, getting away from things, how important is that to a rugby player who is full on for 50 weeks of the, of the year? You know, it's, it's training, it's matches, it's touring, which is, which is very tiresome. How big is that mental break for these guys? Well, you know, I think it's different and you get different people. Um, I've seen over the 
time that I played is certain guys need to get away. They need to clear the head, get away completely. A guy like Bakis Buta, he wanted to go to his farm for a month, not talk about rugby, not see anything, not watch a rugby game, anything. He just wanted to get away. And then you get different guys like myself. I would come back from uh, end of year two and I'll be at the Bulls training on the Monday again, looking at what they're doing because I just love the game so much. So I think for certain guys, this is going to be fantastic to get away mentally and spend time with their families. Other guys really have missed this, uh, spending time with their friends, just getting to the field, uh, keeping their heads in the game. So, um, yeah, I think it's going to have a different impact on different players. But um, again, it's just always good to, especially those guys that want to get back, to pull them out. And um, yeah, the, the hunger will definitely be more than, than what it was two, three months ago. And obviously, there's been quite a number of changes at our, at our franchises over the last couple of months. A couple of players have decided to, to uh, further their careers abroad. Some players have returned. There's changes at, uh, at coaching level. I'm thinking here of Jake White being appointed at the Bulls. Um, all these changes, do you think it makes for a, a possible, very exciting return to play when, when the provinces start playing again? Yeah, I see. We haven't seen the program yet from what the Caracup is going to look like. But um, like I said, firstly, you've got all those Springbok guys um, back uh, in training camp, training with the youngsters. Now we're going to have a Curry Cup where the Springboks will play in it. Uh, I don't know for how long and when the Springboks might go for a championship or whatever. But um, I've always said if you can play a full Curry Cup and you can have your superstars playing in it, uh, will just uh, lift the level of competition and the, um, uh, the spectators as well. The spectators want to see the top guys playing in the local competition, playing for the Bulls versus Western Province for the Lions. Um, those games are just so much more intense if the Springboks are involved. How many games do you think a top player would need? Let's look at the Springboks specifically here. How many provincial games do you think a guy would need before he would be he would be ready for, for test match rugby. I think it all depends on the um, the preseason that they're going to have now. It looks like they're going to have almost a month of full contact. So, again, looking back at your career, these guys, it's different. Uh, a lot of guys wanted two, three warm-up games before season started. Um, at the end of our career, a lot of our more senior guys, guys like Farida Priya and myself, felt like we probably just need one game, maybe half a game, full contact to go into a full, proper um, game, test match or whatever. So, um, yeah, I think the way they um, mm -hmm. train these days uh, in training sessions, you can be completely ready in a month's time. You've worked with Jock Ninober in your life. Um, what can we look forward to uh, with him taking over as Springbok coach? Rossi will obviously stay involved. Uh, what do you think, uh, you know, if the box are back in action later this year, hopefully, we've all got our fingers crossed, uh, what, what can Springbok supporters uh, look forward to? Well, we know what Jock can do as a defensive coach, and uh, we know he's very passionate. He knows the game. Uh, he studies it like a Rossi. That's why they uh, love working together as well. So, um, yeah, I think it will be pretty much the same as what we've seen in uh, Rossi's era. Uh, they think the same about the game. It's going to be interesting to see him as a head coach. All of a sudden, there's uh, 
different responsibilities. So it will be interesting to see how he handles that, how he handles the media. Uh, although if you look back at Rusk, uh, I don't think they planned that so much. It's just, listen, let's be honest. Let's give them what we think and um, let's back ourselves. So I think that's the same that you will get from Jock. And of course, I think Rusty will still have a huge role to play. Um, Jock's biggest job for the for the next couple of months or the next year would obviously be preparing the team for the visit of the British and Irish Lions next year. Um, I want to chat about about the Lions a bit because you were part of that squad that won the series in 2009. Um, let's just look back at that time. What do you what do you remember? What does what stands out from from that 2009 series against the Lions uh, when when you guys were a settled team, world champions, a similar situation to that what we're in at the moment? Yeah, I think uh, the important thing uh, or the nice thing is in 2009, it was the world champions against the British and Irish Lions, and we've got the same again. Uh, we've beaten England in the final, same as in 2007 as well. So I think the build-up is going to be amazing. Uh, a lot of people talk about World Cups, but you talk to players, I've played in four World Cups, I only played with Lines once, so it's really a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. That's something you don't want to miss. I think a lot of the guys that could have earned a lot of money in Europe back then came back to South Africa to play. Uh, they've got a little bit of difference. I think we we had a big change from a Jake White to a Peter De Villiers. We almost had like a year where we had to change things around, just get used to the new way of doing things and. But with this team, I think it will be pretty much the same. They'll keep doing the things they've done under Rossi. Um, I mean, the way they look at the game will be the same. So I think the guys mm -hmm. will be ready. But I must say, the British and Irish Lions is just used. Going into that first week in Durban, the media conferences, uh, all the hype around it, all the talk, um, them talking themselves up, uh, us really getting excited to get stuck into them. Uh, yeah, it was just fantastic playing against them. And uh, do you do you agree with John Smith that um, the battle lines will be drawn up front and, and uh, the, 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 the massive clash between the two packs will have a big um, influence on the outcome of, of the series? Yeah, I think that's always the case, isn't it? Uh, if you look at the World Cup again, uh, England going out, the forwards going out, smashing the All Blacks. The All Blacks couldn't get into the game. They couldn't play their normal attacking brand that everyone expects, expected them to um, because they got dominated, um, especially on the game line. Um, then they went into the final and England's forward pack couldn't get that up hand against the South African pack. The South African pack actually killed them up front. So that just shows once you get front foot ball, one should, uh, your forward back decides the pace of the game as well. Uh, then most of the time you will uh, dominate the game as well. So it's going to be very important. Um, the British and Irish Lions will come with a big, strong pack as well. But uh, we've got an unbelievable pack. They're still very young. Uh, they've got all the knowledge. Um, so it's going to be a great series. Do you, uh, if you put yourself in the in the shoes of a selector, perhaps uh, going back a few months to when we, when we when we still played Vodacom Super Rugby, any any uh, players that you think uh, new new guys that put up their hands at the beginning of the year who might be in in the reckoning, 
you know, when when the Springboks play again? Well, it's difficult now. It's a few short games. Um, I think Rossi and Jock will go back to what has worked for them. Um, the guys that were there, uh, they'll probably have a look at maybe one or two guys that's not there anymore. Uh, we need a backup, a lose, lose it prop for a Kitsov. Uh, so who will step in there? There's a few guys that came through there. Um, in the backs, that's always where you get the youngsters. And hopefully next year we'll get someone coming through doing something really special and um, coming through. But yeah, the Sharks did really well. Uh, if you think about the guy like Farsi at 15, uh, really stepping up and playing two, three um, fantastic games. He's probably the one guy, guy that really stands out and said, listen, have a look at me. I can maybe um, step up when it comes to the lines. And then obviously a position you know a bit more of is lock. Uh, the Springboks in, in uh, Lodejager, Eben Etzebet, um, Ergie Sneijman and Franco Mostert, they had four very, very good locks. They all complemented each other last year at the World Cup. Unfortunately, Ergie has picked up an injury playing for Munster and um, it looks like Luit is also injured. He's playing for sale in England at the moment. Um, who are the who are the young locks you think we should keep an eye out for in the next couple of months? Yeah, let's hope those two will be ready when it comes to the British Irish Lions. I think uh, we saw what Lewitt uh, meant to the team, just him leading the lineouts, uh, almost doing all the homework on the other teams as well. Um, Ergius, his ability when he comes off the bench with his offloads, his athletic ability is just fantastic. But there's there's so many youngsters, uh, the young, uh, that's coming through. It's nice to see um, Jason Jenkins back with the rules. Um, but I must say, if you look at those four guys, I can't see any of the other locks in South Africa at the moment. If they, all four of them are ready to play, anyone else uh, taking over from those four. So we're talking about the World Cup now. Let's just go back. Uh, it's it's in a couple of weeks' time. It'll be exactly a year since the Springboks, you know, arrived in Japan. Um, unfortunately, lost the opening match against the All Blacks, but after that, they recovered and uh, they made us all very proud. Um, what are your lasting memories from last year's World Cup in Japan, and uh, what do you think it'll mean for the Springboks going forward, especially in the next year with the Lions on their way to South Africa? Well, I think the biggest thing will be how they, not recover, but how they step up again after the World Cup. A lot of times, and we had it in 2008, after the World Cup, you almost go through a dip before you pick it up again. And uh, we didn't have a lot of rugby this year. I don't know how many test matches we will have. But, um, yeah, for me, the World Cup, just how they, again, how they unified the country, how they put everyone behind them, how they came back and had a huge impact in our country. But uh, when I think rugby-wise, just sticking together, believing in what they're doing, um, going out and really just dominating England in that final. I think that was the best final played by any team in uh, rugby's history. So, um, unbelievable team effort. And uh, if they can pull together put in the hard work again, uh, like everyone always says, starts from zero again, build up to that British-Irish line, it's just going to be amazing. 
that's that's high praise from a guy who also won a World Cup final and who was man of the match, obviously in two thousand and seven. Victor, um, looking back at your own career, um, apart from winning the World Cup, beating the British and Irish Lions, you know, finishing as the most capped Springbok on one hundred and twenty seven tests, what are the what are the the highlights that stand out for you uh, looking back at your Springbok career from what was it, 2001 to 2015? Yeah, so you mentioned, so probably in a Springbok jersey, winning the World Cup was really special. But then 2009 was the year that really stood out for me. We had a fantastic year. We, we won uh, Super Rugby by record score against the Chiefs at Loftus. Um, then we went on and won the Tri-Nations or the championship. I think it was Tri-Nations back then. Uh, we beat uh, New Zealand three times that year. Uh, then the British and Irish Lions came over. We won that series. And uh, then I had the opportunity to, firstly, to captain the Bulls to a Curry Cup win as well. And then captain the uh, Barbarians team against the All Blacks at Twickenham and beating them a fourth time. So 2009 was just a... Unbelievable, yeah. And then the other two that really stands out for me was the two Super Rugby's. First one in 2007, where no one thought the Bulls team will ever win the uh, Super Rugby. We had to beat the Reds by 90 points to get a home semi-final. We did that. Then we beat the Crusaders, and then we had to beat uh, the Sharks in 83rd minute. Um, that was just a standout uh, moment in my career. And then the last one is going to split against the Stormers and almost we had it in 2007 but in my rugby career that was the probably the two best weeks where I could see what it meant to the country if sport just pulled people together driving into Soweto seeing how this Afrikaner bull supporters going into the township mingling with the people they brying the backyard and just bringing South Africa together those two weeks were really special and uh, hopefully we can experience something like that again. Victor, um, I just wanted to thank you for your time. It was, it was great catching up. Good luck with your, um, your career. Uh, like you said, you're in the game and uh, livestock auctioning. And um, yeah, good luck with that. And thanks for taking time to chat to us. And hopefully we'll see, we'll see the rugby ball being kicked around in anger again soon. Yes, please. That will be great. This is Bjorn Basson and South Africa deep in the Welsh 22. Mornay stay. The Beast goes through Andy Powell. John Smith. Seven! Ruan Pina, Mornay Stain, Bismarck Duplessis on the loop. Tom Shanklin with the tackle. Joan Smith sets it up again, and South Africa have the numbers wide again. Macfield. Victor Matfield on his own and Matfield scores and South Africa are in a golden phase of the game and they take the lead. Thank you for listening and please join us again for the next SA Rugby podcast. For more, click on springbox.rugby or check out our social media channels.